Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Our purpose statement at Bridge Church is to reach people where they are and help them grow. We hope today's message inspires you towards growth, and we pray it's life-changing, and we hope to see you soon. Praise God for our worship team, and praise God for you for tuning in. I know that uh, uh, Zoom and Facebook and YouTube can become uh, laborious in nature. And so we praise God for you tuning in. And for those of you that are watching the replay, we praise God for you as well as we continue in our series about emotions called I Feel a Type of Way. Let me read to you a quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He says, sin wants to be alone with people. It takes them away from the community. The more lonely people become, the more destructive the power of sin over them. One of the things that you have to understand about the nature of sin is that it is a violation of relationship. It is intended to cause you to isolate yourself, distance yourself from God. The Bible says that Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. One of the things that we might mistake in that word is that in some way Satan wants to destroy your life. Listen, Satan wants you to enjoy your life. He just wants you to make sure you're not close to God. He'll do anything he can do to make sure you don't get intimacy with God. In many ways, sin causes a broken fellowship with God and it causes a broken fellowship with man. It destroys our intimacy with one another as well. You know, there are times in my marriage when I have had moments where I've been frustrated. My wife has been frustrated. And we have found ourselves putting ourselves in a position where, you know, I know that I said that thing and she knows she said that thing, but we're at a place right now where we simply don't want to talk about it. And then finally we discuss it and then we're better. But the truth of the matter is that there comes a point where there have been days when we just didn't talk. When the thing between us became icier, cold, distant, hard. And those have been some of the scariest moments in our relationship. When we couldn't talk about it. When the issue was too deep. When the pain was too much. And the issues were too real. The burden was too heavy. We just couldn't talk about it. And if our relationship was like an emotional home, we've decided that there's a door we just don't open. Have you ever been to somebody's house? I've been to some people's houses where they just don't go in that room. You know, we just keep that door closed. And it's been closed so long that you can presume that it's a wall. But in reality, you've walked past it so long, you think that that wall is there, but it's actually a door, a place to commune, a space to relate to one another. And in many ways, relationships can get that way where we say we just don't go there. We just don't talk about that. Here's what's true. True confession is needed for true intimacy. You cannot have an authentic relationship if you're not letting the person inside of you and you're able to talk about those deep issues. That is not only true of a marriage, not only true of a friendship, not just true of fellowship with man, it's also true of our fellowship with God. 1 John 1, 6-7 says, if we say we have fellowship with him, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice 
the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. John says that if you want fellowship with Jesus, you'll be in the light. John does not say walk in the light for the sake of being in the light. John says walk in the light because Jesus is in the light. Here's the important thing to know. If you want fellowship with Jesus, you will have a confessional lifestyle with Jesus because he's in the light. Jesus allows us to be exposed and our weaknesses are exposed. Jesus wants fellowship. That word fellowship is not the kind of way that we use fellowship where we're thinking about time with one another, but moreover, fellowship is the word koinonia. It's the word partnership. It means like almost like we're starting a business together, something deep and intense we do together. This kind of intimacy that God wants happens when we're able to be open and honest about who we are. Walking in the light means, in essence, confession. First John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. But if you notice in 1, 9, there's something very important that you cannot miss. He says, if we confess our sins. It's conditional. Have you had a thing that you just, man, it was hard for you to talk about? Have you had a thing where you just couldn't get open with another person about it. I mean, there's a reality that it, it was difficult for you to just talk it through. See, there's something that when we read this verse, we're like, oh man, I wanna be in the light. But if we're honest, there's comfort in the darkness. There's strength in the shadows. There's something about being in the dark that keeps us away from the light. To be open and honest about that thing you've been holding. He says Jesus is faithful, but we have to work through that barrier of confessing even though we know God is good. It is when we are lurking in the shadows, when we have a relationship where we cannot talk, when there is distance, that we begin to feel guilt. Guilt is a feeling that tells us we did something that goes against our values or that we did something wrong. Guilt acknowledges there's light and there's darkness. Guilt tells you I'm not in the light. Guilt says the truth is right there. Now, understand that guilt is a feeling, but it is also a consequence of actions. In other words, you can be guilty but not feel guilty. I know people like that, amen? Hmm? You know people like that? Where they feel justified in what they've done. So even though you think they're guilty, they don't feel guilty about things that they're doing. It's very easy for us to get into that distance from feeling guilty and knowing that we are guilty. And we'll talk more about that in a second, the distance between feeling guilty and being guilty. But Beloved, understand this, you can feel guilty, but also not be guilty. I, I, I don't have time to delve into this as a subject matter in the issue of guilt, but I just want you to know that there are some of us that carry around the guilt of other people who have shifted their blame onto us and we've been carrying it for years. Montel Jordan, if you 
know the, the singer R&B back in the 90s. He's now a preacher and a pastor. And one of the things he mentioned um, in a book that he wrote was that he was molested when he was young. And uh, in this moment when he was molested, he went to, uh, it, well, it was actually discovered. They, 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 uh, one, of the, one of the young people that were there when they saw this incident happen to him, they actually told an adult. And when the adult heard about it, here's what they did. They said, why didn't you tell anybody? Oh, you must have liked it. And they started to like pound him because of his inability to say anything about it. And for years, he carried around the guilt and the shame of someone else's sin. There are others in our community that have most likely had that to happen to them, women who have been molested and you've carried the guilt of an uncle or a cousin. Some of you have carried the guilt of other leaders and maybe even in a church. And the reality is, is that that guilt was not meant for you. That's guilt that they denied and shifted onto you. There are some parents who have had kids who just weren't as successful in life or they didn't fulfill their plans like they thought and they ended up reflecting on their life and blaming you for their inability to achieve their dreams. And there are leaders who have had people fail in their life and they looked at leadership for the reason why they're not fulfilling their plans. For all of us, we will have moments where people will want to shift guilt based upon our own faults on someone else. You need to know tonight that you need to know what guilt you need to own and what guilt you need to disown. You need to know what God has laid before you to think about and to pray through. Blame is always available. This is the impaired version of guilt where we want to blame someone. Blame judges the ones who have either harmed us or it shifts blame onto someone else who may not have been involved. But whatever it is, however we get to blaming someone else, the essence of it is I'm trying to justify my behavior. There's something about looking at what I've done and owning what I've done that's incredibly hard. In other words, when I have to look at what I've done and the guilt of it, I, it's, it's like I'm looking in a mirror and I have to see my flaws. When in reality, it's much easier to look out the window and see the flaws of others. The truth is, is that guilt, blame, they go hand in hand at times. We see this going back into Genesis chapter three. You remember last week we talked about this briefly. We said that um, Adam was being confronted by God and he said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man says, the woman you gave me. Well, she ate the fruit of the tree. Then the Lord God said to the woman, who did the, who's, who, what is it that you've done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me. And so you continually see the shifting of blame onto someone else. The truth is, is that it's hard for us to carry the guilt of what we've done. And we look around to others to own our sin. What we see there is that there is always a tension inside of us to look at someone else and think you are the reason why I am not 
who I think I should be. You are the reason why I'm sinning. If I was not in this condition, I would not do what I would do. That is not just a problem of Adam. That's a problem inside of you and I to shift the blame. Now, as we understand the nature of blame, we have to understand some definitions here so that we could understand the depth of guilt. Guilt and shame have their differences. We talked about shame last week. Guilt is how we feel about our actions and what we've done. Shame is how we feel about ourselves and who we are. So this is what's important. Adam and Eve felt shame, but they denied their guilt, you see? And so oftentimes we'll carry around shame even though we're not able to accept the things that we've done wrong. Herein lies the problem of understanding how to dig into what we've done and accept that we've wounded someone or hurt someone. The myth of dealing with guilt is found in confession. You see, there's like this continuum where you've done someone wrong and there are a lot of people who won't even admit I've done someone wrong or I've sinned against God. But what I found is a great deal of people will admit they're wrong, but it is in their apology where things go wrong. Amen? See, here's the myth. Listen now. Here's the myth. Sincere confession deserves forgiveness. So you don't know what I'm talking about yet. Here we go. You ready? I said I was sorry. Shoot. What, what else? I, I, well, I told, but, I, but I told you I shouldn't have done it. So what's, why are you still tripping? See? See that? You heard that person before? That happens when as long as I deal with the offense and acknowledge it was wrong, that's enough for us to be back in relationship. But the truth is that sincere confession requests relationship. I'm asking to be back in relationship with you. And whenever there is a confession that's authentic, it's asking, are you willing to give yourself back to me? I.e., that's the nature of forgiveness. I'm willing to be in line and in connection and know you more and in depth. What we don't realize is much of our inability to be honest and confess and be open comes from the fact that when we deal with the offense, we're dealing with what theologians would call judicial forgiveness. That is to say, I am just dealing with the problem that we talked about. We're conversing about what I said and what I did. I did say that wrong. I shouldn't have put it that way. That's much different than familial forgiveness. Judicial forgiveness is what we talk about with Christ dying on the cross for our sin. That justifies us and now we're in relationship with God. But familiar forgiveness has to do with intimacy and fellowship. It's personal in nature. Familiar forgiveness now gets into the heart of how we can connect and know one another. When you have just confessed based upon an offense, it's as if you're saying, I don't want to be guilty of a crime. But when you confess and you allow yourself to open up about what you did and how wrong it was, it says, I not only want to be set free from the, from the jail of your unforgiveness, but I also want to be back in relationship with you. 
And so in light of that, I want you to know me more. Oftentimes people feel so guilty that they can't own their behavior. In owning our own behavior, that's when you let somebody on the inside and you tell them precisely what was going on inside of you when you did what you did. And you'd say, when you did that, I was thinking and assuming this. And you tell them what was working through your mind. Or you say, when this happened, I was feeling this. And you tell them what was happening in your heart. Or you tell them I reacted and I ended up doing this. And it is at the point at which when you are confessing before someone that you are not only just talking about the issue that's in front of you, but you're talking about the condition of what's inside of you. You tell them, this is what I was thinking. This is what I was feeling. And oftentimes a person is at least more open to be back in relationship with you. But if you only want to get in detail about the problem, then the problem will be solved, but the relationship will never be healed. Many of you have that problem right now. You have people you said, I forgive you, but you didn't actually want to give yourself in relationship with them. You just wanted to move past the issue and not talk about the issue anymore. And that's why your relationships are not deep. That's why you always find yourself alone because you want to move past tension, but you don't want authenticity. If you want authentic relationships, you have to have real confession. Real confession is you keep talking about it till you get to each other's hearts and you have true relationship, not just movement past offense. And the fact of the matter is, is that our fracturing of relationship, it's going to happen. And our courage to be able to confess, be open, forgive, takes the power of the Holy Spirit to go deeper, to talk more, and have a real relationship. When you're able to bask in the power of forgiveness, the power of confession, is actually, it comes from the fact that I know God has forgiven me. I know God loves me. But oftentimes, we're not able to confess before men because we don't know what their reaction will be. Amen? So if I am honest with you, what will you do? Will you use this against me? The fact of the matter is, our confession of our sin before men should not be based on the man's reaction. It should be based upon what God did for us. The only reason why I'm open and honest with you is not simply because I want to be just deeper, although I do want an in-depth relationship, but the fact of the matter is when I have, the fact that I said that about you and I shouldn't have said that about you has more to do with me and God than me and you. And when you operate with that kind of pattern in your life, you will have more depth, more sincerity, and more, more, more real relationship in your life as opposed to a fragmenting, surfacy lifestyle, which many of us live. When we consider our relationship with God, Psalm 32 says it this way, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and whose spirit there is no deceit. Here, David had slept with Bathsheba. And when he slept with Bathsheba, and he had Bathsheba's husband killed by being put on the front line of an army, he is now acknowledging what was going on inside of him 
when he was not able to confess, but he starts off the psalm acknowledging the blessing that comes with knowing that God has forgiven us. He says, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man who against the Lord counts no iniquity and whose spirit there is no deceit. If you notice there in Psalm 32, David is actually dealing with the multi, uh, the multi, multiple ways in which you can talk about sin. You see, if you notice there, he says first, blesses the one whose transgression is forgiven. And the word transgression in the Hebrew is the word pesha, and it actually means willful rebellion against a given standard. Essentially means that I have crossed a line I shouldn't have crossed. He goes on and he says, blesses the one who the Lord counts no iniquity. And iniquity is one of these things, it's the word awan, and it relates more to an inner character, pointing to the twisting and intentions of the heart. It gets at who we are. The interesting thing about iniquity though, iniquity is a picture of planning sin. Iniquity is not like you fell into it. Iniquity is you, you planned it. And do you remember that? Do you remember when you used to plan sin? I know where you're at now with God, but do you remember when you used to plan sin? Remember when you had sin on the radio and you were driving to sin and you had sin on ice and sin was in the back and sin was in your mouth? Do you remember that? I'm just saying, do you remember those days? Back when, back, way, 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 way back in the day. Like you were like, I'm sinning tonight. That's the goal, sin. Like iniquity, it, listen, iniquity is when I have actually decided I'm prioritizing how I can enjoy my life and sin is what I've decided I would do. Now, I'm messing with you because you know why? Because there was a time when that defined your life, but that's still a part of your life now. There are, there's a part of your life where sin is not just a reaction, it's a plan. You see, David planned to have Bathsheba's son, uh, husband killed. David planned to have Bathsheba come with him. David had it all planned out. And now in, in Psalm 32, he says, oh, praise God. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no what? Iniquity. Oh, I'm so blessed that God didn't remember. God tossed away that plan. And every time you see, the word blessing means a divine pardoning, a divine blessing. Every time that we ruminate and we resonate and we think about all that we did against God and we carry that guilt and we don't remember that God is there waiting to not have that count against us, there is the blessing, the blessing of confessing the blessing of being honest before God, the blessing of getting out of those shadows, the blessing of getting out the darkness, the blessing of walking in the light because Jesus is not like that friend that you were honest with and they were mean to you and they used your words against you. No, he wants to not have that iniquity count against you. He doesn't want you to carry your guilt. And so David says, 
He starts off Psalm 32 saying, such a blessing, oh, that you don't count my sin. Such a blessing. And he talks about sin and transgression. He talks about iniquity. And then he says in Psalm 32, 3, he says, listen, for when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Understand, church. David says, I was lurking in the shadows and I saw the light and I found myself unable to be honest. And he says, there were times during the day and there were times at night where I felt the heaviness of conviction and I could not operate the way I wanted to. I could not enjoy the benefits of my sin the way that I wanted to. Church, people of God, if you are sinning and you don't feel the heavy hand of conviction, you should be afraid. In other words, when sin, when, listen, when you did what you weren't supposed to do, Notice what I said before about guilt. Like, we don't all feel guilty. Um, I was talking to my wife about this last night. She's like, well, we shouldn't feel guilty. I was like, no, no, we should feel guilty, amen. It, we should be scared when we don't feel guilty. You should feel guilty. It's the consequence of that guilt that Jesus took, but he still wants you to feel guilty because guilt is a good thing when it leads to repentance, 2 Corinthians says. No, I want you to feel guilty. I want you to know what you did. I, know, I want you to know the weight of what you did. And he says, oh, when I was not walking in the light, your hand was heavy upon me. Let me just tell you right now, some of you, because of COVID, have become more distant to God. You're out of fellowship. You needed Sundays. You're out of fellowship. And now you're doing things you know you have no business doing. You are walking with people you know you have no business walking with. You are saying things you know go against the hand of God. And the reason why you've had more boldness in your sin is because you're out of the warmth of fellowship. You're, out of the, you're not in the, 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 the community of the saints. And so you're isolated and you're alone. And you don't feel that heavy hand of conviction. But understand, church, that, you know, there have been times in my ministry when I've seen people walking away from God and I've gotten frustrated, like, man, why would you do that? And over the years, my heart has moved from frustration to compassion. Because when you don't feel the heavy hand of God on you, it means he's allowing you to walk away and to live your life far from a loving father. But it is also meaning you're destroying yourself. The, the story of the Eskimo capturing the wolf is a poignant story of how sin captures our heart. You see, an Eskimo in Alaska, they do not find themselves in any need to fight the wolves. What they found they can do is they can take a machete and they will take blood and they'll dip that machete in blood and they'll wait till the blood gets frozen and then they'll dip it in blood again 
And they'll wait till that layer of blood gets frozen. Then they'll dip it in blood again. And they'll wait till that layer of blood gets frozen. And then it'll be blood on blood on blood on blood, frozen. When that wolf smells that blood, it will come to that machete. They, they put the machete in ice. They stick it up in the air. And the wolf begins to lick at the blood. He licks at the blood. He licks at the blood. And, and the warmth of the wolf's mouth is now melting the blood. He licks at the blood. He licks at the blood. But before he knows it, as the blood is melting, he notices he's losing some of the taste because it's melting away. But all of a sudden, he gets a fresh taste of blood. It's warm. And he drinks the blood. He drinks the blood. He drinks the blood. And the blood of fish, which is what it was dipped in, the icy blood of fish was what he was drinking. Now he's being met by the warm blood of his wolf. The wolf is drinking his own blood. He drinks and he drinks and now he's licking a machete and his tongue is numb from all that ice. And now the wolf destroys himself just from being set up by blood. And the truth is that in many ways, that wolf was drawn towards blood and it killed him. Christ wants us to be drawn towards his blood so we can have life, so we can know him personally. Many people are walking away from God and they're not enjoying life. They're, they're experiencing death. Right now, you have a friend. Some of you know people. You're mad at them because they've been walking the way of God. I want you in the name of Jesus to start feeling compassion for them. You're mad because they don't confess. They're, they, they're not confessing because they enjoy that blood right now. Pray for the heaviness of conviction on their life. And for you, for you, 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 you feel the tension of walking away from God. I pray that you feel the heaviness of conviction. I pray you feel that heavy hand on your life. I pray that you know that God is chasing you down. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, four through six, he says, surely, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. But listen, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray and we have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Every plan that we plan, it's been laid on him. Every lie that you've told, it's been laid on him. The problem isn't whether or not your sins have been laid on him. Have you experienced the freedom and the blessing of forgiveness and knowing that guilt does not have to be carried by you? It's been laid on him. <clears throat> Growing up, as I close, we sang a song. And maybe this song has never resonated with your heart. In many ways, you don't confess your sins to Jesus because you do not know how much of a good friend he is. 
You see him as leader and boss, but you don't see him as intimate friend. He wants you in the light. He wants you to confess that guilt that you're carrying. Remember this? What a friend we have in Jesus. Listen, listen now. All our sins and griefs to bear. Listen, and what a privilege to carry. Listen, everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Father, there are people walking away from you tonight because they're unwilling to see you as so good that you would want to sit with them after their plan for sin. The scandal of the gospel just doesn't resonate in our hearts because we don't know the blessing of forgiveness. Tonight, Lord, let us feel that privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. In Christ's name we pray, amen. We hope today's message was encouraging for you. We'd also love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. We hear from people all across the country about what God is doing through our podcast, and we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at bridgechurchnyc.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle for both of those social media outlets is at bridgechurchnyc. Our website is bridgechurchnyc.com. If you're in the New York City area, we have services at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays at 98 Fifth Avenue in Brooklyn, New York, right next to the Barclay Center. We are praying for you and we hope to see you soon.